Welcome to We're Listening to Podcast, the community where all voices are heard. I'm your host, Rob Cook. Join me for a lighthearted show about the human experience with live conversations, discussions, and interviews of some of the newest to the most established 3P practitioners from all over the world. So no matter if you've known the three principles for years or you're new to Daily Insights, we hope each episode will inspire you to demonstrate a community where all voices are heard. Welcome to today's episode. Ladies and gentlemen, my next guest is a graduate from the University of Washington. I won't say the year because we're not going to age either one of us on this podcast today. She specialized in psychosocial nursing. She also had an interesting um, an interest, I'm sorry, in learning how people change. She learned techniques and approaches to helping people, but nothing seemed long lasting and beneficial until she met Sydney Banks. And that's when she saw a way for people to really change. Her vision became one of helping people seek real, long-lasting change. She's currently an executive committee member on the 3P Global Community. She's a recent faculty member of One Thought Institute, and she's a partner at Pranski and Associates. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show today, Linda Pransky. <laughs> Thank you, Rob. How are you? I'm really good. It's nice to be here. It's nice to be with you. Um, you are... The biggest example I've ever seen of loving disruption. And I want to preface disruption not to have any negative connotations in this, but I have saw with my own eyes, you love someone to disrupt the thinking they had that was causing them suffering. And I saw it. And it was so interesting because you, you were doing a program and you were, you were coaching and we were watching. And this young lady was hurting, but she was spinning at least, Linda, what I would say, about 100 miles per hour, as they say. And you clapped your hands. Mm-hmm. And she stopped. Mm-hmm. And when you did it, I stopped because I was riding just as fast. I wasn't going 100, but I was 80. And a lot of what she was saying, I was saying, too, in my head. I, and But when you clapped, it was you stopped my thinking, too. I was thinking I, I won't be able to do it like she does it. Man, she's brilliant with this. I was going just as fast as my thoughts about the situation of watching you coach that when you clap, it stopped mine. And that's when I was like, oh, wow. She loved me enough to disrupt what I was using as suffering, comparing myself to you, not being, you're my mentor's mentor. Like, oh my God, what, you know, it was just like unbelievable. And that was the first time I've ever encountered you. And that was been where where it started. But I just want to, to share that of like just <clears throat> never so, being in your presence, feeling your love and, and thanking you for that. Well, no, but that I learned that from Sid, my teacher. Hmm. He would, in the gentlest way, sometimes not so gentle, but generally <laughs> in the gentlest way, he would just disrupt your thought pattern if he saw it going down a rabbit hole or if he saw it going in the wrong direction and it's kind of simple and if you understand um because it's like our thinking just goes can go anywhere and we can follow it or not you know (laughs) so i um i when i'm working with people not always but often i just I don't want to watch them suffer. Yeah. And 
And I want to teach them that they don't have to, that they can actually do something about it because it's the thought, the feeling of the thought that's making them suffer. You know, because you're, you're, you know, your, your, your thought and feeling go together. And so, you know, and the, the bigger the thought, the bigger the feeling and, and then it's all connected to your, you know, your body, your, your consciousness, you know, thought and consciousness in your body, they're all connected. So you feel you have that in your, your body and, and, and it's, a, it's a needless act of suffering that people do with their, with their, the way they go about thinking and they don't realize they have a choice, not always, but often <laughs> they have a choice. They just don't have to follow that train of thought into suffering. What's that? Second chance. That's why I learned <laughs> what you just said in really? the second chance. Yes, I got it. I got it here. It's already. So in the second chance, see it. Sid dedicated the book to humanity. He says, to humanity in the hope that this book may help alleviate some of the needless suffering. And I remember the first time I heard it, Linda, I said, well, why would Sid use needless? Like, Sid, my pain is real. That's not, I felt at first, at first thought, I thought like the term needless, I didn't understand it until I saw. It wasn't that needless minimized Needless showed me it was optional. Yes. It showed yes. me it was optional. Yes. That was when it was like, oh, like you said, I can choose to hold on to this thought and go with this ride, or I can choose not to. Mm-hmm. And that's the difference in the suffering. Mm-hmm. But And so, yeah, I love how you you could definitely see <laughs> that, that coming through. Um, in, in your words and even in, in me just seeing it not too long ago. It wasn't too long ago I saw that actually. Um, well, do this for me. Yeah. Most people know, um, and it's literally typed just like this, the famous Linda Pransky. Like it's literally a speech out there titled the famous Linda really? Pransky. Right? Yes. <laughs> it's from... It's from a talk he did in the uh, 3B UK. It's, it's seriously, it is it is titled oh, The Famous funny. Linda Pransky. Um, but I'll have, tell, I'll have to tell George to tell all my friends. At <laughs> um, help shape for me before we were famous, Linda, though. Help shape for me, young Linda in school, coming into this understanding a little bit before meeting Sid. And then what were the early years like? before you became like known as this, this, um, the famous Linda Bransky. Yeah. The famous Linda Bransky. Yeah. Well, you know, this is, this is really, it's kind of poignant in that. Um, I just talked about that with, with Chip in, when we did the day this uh, last Sunday for, for the London. Mm-hmm. The stories of hope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Stories of hope. Yeah. yeah. You know, when I, I for some reason, when I was 18, 19, I just didn't feel right about myself. I didn't feel capable enough. I didn't feel like I could handle life very well, even though it looked that way because yeah. I was I had, a, I had a job, I was in school, you know, I was a hard worker. But there was something I just felt like I'm just 
lucky that I'm making it. It's like I just felt like there was something wrong with me. Like there was just, and that I needed to be fixed. I need to be fixed. So I decided to go into, at that point, I was in nursing school. I, I have an RN. I got an RN. And then I, I started working as a nurse, which I loved. And then I went, was in graduate school in psychosocial nursing, which is it's like a degree in social work or a degree in master's degree in, in psychology. It's kind of the same thing, hmm. but in the department of nursing. And I was learning all of this stuff, all this, you know, techniques and processes and interventions. And I had families and groups and individuals, and I was applying all this stuff and it wasn't working. It was very helpful and very exciting, but people weren't changing. And I would go to my instructors and I love my instructors and I tell them, it's not working. And they said, well, just go back, go back and do it again. <laughs> so I go back and do it again. And I kept doing that. And then one day I remember exactly where I was. I was crossing the overpass between the Health Science Center and the main campus of the University of Washington. It was right in the middle of this overpass and the, and the penny dropped and I thought, um, they don't know. They don't know how to change people. And I realized it. I went, oh my goodness, they don't know. Yeah. So I quit school, I quit graduate school and I moved to California, I moved to San Francisco where it was the cutting edge. This is in the middle of like around 1975, 1976. And in, in, in this is like kind of the cutting edge of the human potential movement. Uh -oh. you know, life spring and ask. <laughs> you're probably too young. I'm right there. I was 77. So it was. Okay, so so um, and, and all the hip, um, Fisher Hoffman, pro I can't even remember all of the things the names of the things I did, the seminars. But, you know, in retrospect, it was just all, all intellectual based. Or the spiritual based stuff, because there was a lot of spiritual based stuff. But that was intellectually based as well. Hmm. Say, this is my a little bit more about that. No, say, I, I love how you said that. The, even the spiritual component of it was intellectual. Tell me a little bit more what you mean by that. Well, it was there. It was a uh, here's what you have to do. Mm -hmm. Okay, see? yeah. Here's what you have to do. And see, what I learned from Sid is a huge difference between here's what you have to do, which is essentially applying a technique or or a ritual or an affirmation or a, you know, snap a rubber band on your wrist. Mm -hmm. um, a doing as opposed to a realization. Finally met Sid and, and sat, took me a long time. <laughs> took, took me a long time of sitting there being totally and completely confused and frustrated because I couldn't figure out what he was talking about and nothing was happening to me. 
but I finally realized it's 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 realization. It's you have a realization. You have a a, a thought that comes from within, and you know it c- comes from within and then comes out and wakes you up. Yeah. I mean, it was just the experience. The first time it happened to me was phenomenal. It was phenomenal because I really struggled with moods. Um, and so, <laughs> so I'd be very up and then I, I'd be doing good. And then all of a sudden I'd be thinking, I haven't had a mood in a while. I wonder, I wonder when it's going to happen. And I get frightened because my moods, when my moods came on, I would really drop and I'd get very dark. You know, and I kind of sit in a room and ruminate for a couple of days. Yeah. You know, it's just I had to stop my life. I had to take a time out. And it was very painful because I felt, here's what was painful. The fear of the mood was painful. And the thought that there was something wrong with me was painful. And the struggle, trying to struggle my way out of them was painful. Because trying to struggle my, my way out of them was just dro- brought more confusion mm-hmm. and feeling of lostness. So the first realization I had, you know, after sitting in the front row since lectures for felt like two years, I realized I didn't have to be afraid of my moods. Now, yeah. see... You can tell somebody that. You don't have to be afraid of your moods. That people told me that. You don't have to be afraid of your moods. You don't have to be afraid. But there's a big difference between having that as an idea and having it as a realization or an understanding of or you go, oh my goodness, it's true. I don't have to be afraid of my moods. Mm-hmm. And when I had that realization, my experience of moods changed. And my behavior changed. Because see, true change comes from realization. And that changes behavior automatically. Yep. Oh, yeah. What happened is that I still had moods. But because I wasn't worried about them, I wasn't thinking about them. And that what they would happen, I wasn't afraid of them. So it lightened them up. Mm-hmm. So I didn't get as dark. I didn't get go down as far and when I was down I stopped struggling and so I would come up faster and so I could didn't have to take a time out I could live my life when I was in a mood didn't have to stop my life because of a mood I just went about my life with my mood yeah <laughs> that's <laughs> I definitely 100% love that and I I love how you articulate it because sometimes it's what I do. You know, um, I had a speech that I was going to speak and I was just in a low mood going into it. I was in a low mood because something had happened with my daughter and I was scared for her. Yeah. Although the truth was she was okay, but I still had my. But it's still your daughter, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I sat here and I was like, I was about to get on that realm of low mood 
you know, about the speech and, you know, it's going to suck and this and that. And I thought, well, write the speech out. And I'm like, that don't make any sense, Robert. But I write it out anyway, as a man. And when I got to talking and started, before I knew it, I'd confess my mood. I'm like, hey, guys, I wrote my speech today. I said, um, I'm going to read it. And because of how I believe at some point, I, I'll stop and I'll be me. I said, but I'm starting from a low mood today. I, I'm just, and it wasn't, and most people were like, well, why would you say it? It was like, because I want you to understand, I can still come and do this speech in a low mood or high mood. You know, I'm going to fall in at some point. I'm just letting you know this one starts from a high mood. Because most people expect the only way you're supposed to show up is in a high mood. Yeah. And that's just not true. No. You know, it's just not true. So I'm telling you, I'm in a low mood. I probably won't have as much laughter at the beginning. But man, when I fall in, trust me, we're going to be rolled belly over laughing because I'm in then. Yeah. I, I know how this works. Yeah. You know, um, I, I, that was my rubber band moment, as you say, back to the to the thing. Bill Pettit uses this line about discomfort and presence. But when he said it, what I heard was when you're in discomfort, that's the present moment phone calling you like, hey, hey, miss you. Come on back, buddy. We'd, we'd love to have you back here. We'd <laughs> love to have you back here. Like whenever you're in anger. Like, come back, please. You know, when you check your messages, that's that's what it is. All your messages are like from the present moment. Like, hey, we'd love to have you back. Miss you. That's how I, I see it. And it's so fun not to live without being afraid of your experience. Well, you know, that's this one one of the passages, one of the things that Sid says in oh, yeah. the book is that, that people, I'm, I'm going to, you know, change it up a bit, but that there's people only have one problem in life mm -hmm. and that's fear of experience, fear right. of their experience. If they didn't have any fear of their experience, they wouldn't have any problems. Yeah. Oh yeah. I remember waking up to my biggest limiting factor that was holding me back from anything. Even, no matter the, I had all the narratives, you know, before, okay, well I was born in the inner city. So that's a, I can't get, but so far. I was born in the project, so I can't make it this far. Uh, I'm black in America, so I can only get this far. Uh, I'm not as talented of an athlete. That caps me here. And it was like living with so many limitations mm -hmm. to, to waking up to seeing I was doing that. The only limiting factor of my life that ever held me back was not knowing who I was. Because once I learned who I was, nothing ever stopped me. I may not have the experience I wanted, but it didn't stop me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah of course, no one enters a marriage and wants divorce. Like that, you want to enter the marriage, but it happens. And because it happened, or it has happened, or whatever the case would be, that's not the end. Yeah. Now part of the experience becomes that. Yeah. What is what is how do you still exemplify love and light to the world, given you're a person who've experienced divorce? Yeah. That's all. That's what the next narrative becomes. And so once I woke up to to that, I was connected to universal mind. I could never be because I had that broken too, Linda. Please. <laughs> oh, my God, I had that unbroken. And it was reinforced what I thought throughout my environment. I could even see what I would believe to be truth on it being broken. 
I could even hear it from those who I love tell me I'm broken. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, So I really love that. I, I really love that. Well, let me ask you this. If if you had to think about a time when when your understanding was put to its test, so to speak, and, and really where where you you had to really really embody this, mm-hmm. um, just just if, you know wherever you see with that, just just go there for me. Well, um, when my husband um, when I got called it five o'clock in the morning after my husband had open heart surgery and they told me he had a stroke. And then when I went to see him and realized how bad it was. And I just, I was okay. And then I wasn't. And I knew I wasn't okay. You know what I mean by not okay is I just, I just kind of went into, um, you know, intense fear and anxiety. Yeah. See, the thing is, I knew I didn't have to stay there. I knew I could find my way out because, because, you know, you I truly believe, I truly in my heart and soul believe that, that because we all are connected to mind, to the to universal mind, to the greater intelligence of all things, that we are part of that. And in that, in that, because we sit in that, we're any we have the ability to have any possible thought and experience. So you're not stuck. Like I knew I wasn't stuck. Yeah. with my intense fear and anxiety and kind of disorientation. And and so what occurred to me, here's what occurred to me, it, the thought years ago when I was listening to Sid, he'd say a lot, he'd say this a lot. He'd say, people live in beautiful feelings and they don't know it. People are filled with beautiful feelings and they don't know it. And that started to echo in my mind, Sid saying that. And I realized, see, I realized I needed to get into a beautiful feeling and that would stabilize me and pull me out of my anxiety and my fear. Hmm. So I found the feeling of hope and I grabbed onto it and I got into this feeling of hope. And then I just, I just, live from that feeling, um, you know, with George and from that feeling, I'm going to start crying in a minute from that feeling. Um, I just, I started to reassure him because he was, you know, he would say things like I'm a stranger in a strange land. Cause he was like, you know, I don't know what, what it must, must've been like to have a stroke but I don't think it was much fun. No, I would agree. No. So um, he'd say, I'm just, I just don't know what's what. I don't know. Like, I don't know where I am. I don't know what, what the things I look at, I don't know what they are. I can't name them. And um, so I, 
stayed in that feeling and I would reassure him. I'd say, you know what? We'll just start. We'll just, you know, we'll rehab. We'll just keep naming them. You will just keep naming them. And the other thing that I knew that I understood that was so helpful to me is that You know, people, what I call, this is the way I put it, people can jump their experience really fast if they want to. Okay, so, you know, you go into an re emotional reaction. You don't have to stay there. You can just jump over it. So I would be having all these emotional reactions, kind of shocked by what, he could do and what he couldn't do. And I'd go into an emotional reaction, like, whoa. Mm. And then I just get over it really fast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So between the feeling of hope and then jumping my emotional reactions, you know, I was okay in those circumstances. And we just, you know, as a together, we just rehab back. And George's really come back a long way he still has some deficits but you know he works half time he you know he he has relearned like things that he he couldn't remember what things were like his toothbrush what's that um oh it's my toothbrush or like one of the things that he lost which is really was fascinating we were putting um dishes away and I said, those go up there, you know, above. He says, what's above? What does that mean? And I went, oh, above and below is a concept you learn. It's a concept like you would learn that concept as a child, above and below. Yeah. And I was like, whoa. He, you know, he lost these very basic concepts like next to, above and below, because his his stroke was in his part of his brain that included his his speech center. So he lost meaning and he lost speech, yeah. So that was the been the biggest test for me is, now a, a, another way of, Putting it, which I like, is that I really, really had to learn to see past circumstances because the circumstances of my life changed 180 degrees. Yeah. You know, not just with George's stroke, but also with COVID. Because what I did mostly is I traveled. I love to travel. Yeah. I had just I couldn't travel. I couldn't travel because of COVID and I couldn't travel because I couldn't leave George, you know, because I was not so much anymore because he's gotten so much more independent. But, you know, like I was his full-time caretaker. Mm -hmm. So I went from this one life to a completely, and I, and I had to see that I really had, was confronted with happiness is not tied to circumstances. Yeah. 
I could see that. You could be happy. Yeah, I could see that on you. By the circumstance, yeah. Yeah, I could definitely see that on you. Yeah. I remember thinking one time, and I I was um, getting ready to come to a board meeting. And I'd always thought of you and George as a team, collectively, and the work and the stuff that you do. And then I thought about what he was going through, and it dawned on me that I had never asked you how you were doing. I don't know if you remember that day. And I was just like, whoa, her experience changed too. Mm-hmm. Like, here's the, here's the, but most, and like you said, we, that was no fun and it probably sucked. But I remember becoming aware that everything about your life significantly changed at that moment too. And I remember going, oh, wow, I didn't see that. Like, because you never would think the famous Linda Pransky needs someone to ask or whatever thing. Like, she's just got it, got it, got it. And it's like, no, she's human too, Robert. Like, we're all, all human. And I remember you looking at me and saying, I'm okay. And you just smile. It's something to that effect. But the thing is, Robert, there are very, very few people, and it's innocent. They don't they don't think that um the person the partner you know the husband the wife they don't think they don't think that they they have their own stroke in a way yeah yeah Mm -hmm. and they don't think because the focus is on the person that's had the, the stroke yeah but it was very meaningful to me very meaningful the few people that would ask me sincerely how are you doing yeah. really meant a lot really meant a lot for some reason it did mm-hmm. so i thank you for that but i understand you know i didn't the other thing is that you know you could get resentful about that a person could get resentful like i'm running as fast as i can i'm swimming to keep my head above water nobody's asking me how i'm doing but the thing is i don't i didn't go there see you could go there or not oh yeah 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 you could go there and go there oh yeah i could i could see it i could you could go there and go nobody's asking you know nobody cares Mm -mm. you don't want to go there we we call that in the military not essential for mission success Okay, <laughs> that's not essential for mission success. So we're not even going to entertain it. We're not. We're not going exactly. there. We're not doing it. Because again, you know, you know this. It's like you go there. It's that thought and that feeling. It brings you oh, down. Yeah. Oh yeah. But oh, yeah. but but what happened is that it really did my heart good. It really raised my spirits when people would say, "How are you doing?" Mm-hmm. It's like thank you. Thank you for asking. You know, thank you. It was very sweet. I got a lot. I got, I got a lot from that when people would ask me. And I reason I think I'm kind of focusing on this is that because I know this will be broadcast and there are a lot of people out there that are caretakers. You know, ask them how they're doing. How are you doing? So, 
because it will be broadcasted, <laughs> it's going to it, it it will go out. Um, I just would like you to kind of end on whatever note you want to end on and talk to the community, um, and just just whatever um you wish to share. But before you do that, thank you, uh, for being here today uh, and having such a wonderful conversation. Um, I love you. Well, I truly enjoyed this talking with you. You're really great to talk to. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Um, The community is listening. What is it that, that you would say to them? Well, I think that I really had to learn in my heart you know, in inside, how to see it and be in happiness in spite of circumstances. That you can find the feelings you want to find in spite of circumstances. And everybody now, I mean, everybody has circumstances that they don't like, they don't want, that frighten them, that cause them to think a lot about them. And there is a way past or beyond where you, you still might have your circumstances, but the feeling you live in is, does not have to be dictated by them. And I think that's so important. I think people could live much happier lives given their circumstances. And it's such freedom. It is such an experience of freedom to not feel like circumstances are going to dictate your state of mind or dictate the feeling you live in. I think that's freedom. And I think everybody wants to feel free to have psychological freedom so that's what i'd want to say to the community that it's i mean here's the thing when i started sharing the teaching this understanding one of the things that i i always said to my students and my clients if i can do this if i can learn this if i can change anyone can and i mean that i honestly mean that if i can do it anyone can thank you for listening to today's episode for more information about the podcast please go to 3pgc.org if you're looking for more information about how to become a practitioner or you want to be featured on the show as a new fresh voice in the principles Send us an email at info at 3pgc.org. We'd love to hear from you. Knowing there is no end or limitation, nor are there boundaries to the human mind, have the day you deserve.